0: with you today please open to james chapter 2 we're continuing to make our way verse by verse to the book of james today we're in james chapter 2 the title of today's sermon is the sin of partiality uh, but it's part one we're going to be looking at this topic uh, two different times it'll have two parts Today will be part one. Next week, as Blair mentioned, we're going to have a stewardship sermon. Lad will be preaching, but the week following that, I'll be finishing part two of the sin of partiality. But if you are able, please stand in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. This is James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. My brothers. "...show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place... While you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Pray with me, please. Lord, as we approach your word today, we recognize that it is truth in a world that's filled with lies. It is exactly what you intended to impart to us, the very word of the living God. It is infallible an errant. for you God are a perfect God who makes no mistakes and Lord I pray that you would bless this time as we look at your word as, as I preach your word may everything that comes out of my mouth be honoring and glorifying to you open our ears may we be hearers of the word but as we learned last week listening is not enough may we also be doers and apply lord what we learned today if there's one here who's never trusted christ for salvation we pray for that person today that he or she might come to know you that uh, he or she might hear the gospel uh, and come to know you father this day bless this time we ask it in jesus name all god's people said amen please be seated Well, this morning I had Blair read out of 1 Samuel 16 as our supplemental reading for our sermon today. And I think most people are familiar with that chapter, 1 Samuel 16. is the introduction to David. And in that chapter, we learned that God came to Samuel and said, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? Don't you know that I've rejected him? Samuel, here's what you need to do. You need to go to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, because I've chosen one of his boys. That's who's going to be the next king. So the Bible says that Samuel obeyed the Lord, and he went to Bethlehem. Now, one chapter later, in chapter 17, we actually learn that Jesse had eight boys. Eight boys. In fact, his oldest three boys, Eliab... Abinadab and Shema were all in the army of Israel. We hear about them one chapter later because they were going to be there when David fights Goliath. But back to chapter 16, when Samuel went to Bethlehem and he entered into the town there, the first son of Jesse that he saw was who? It was Eliab. The oldest. And when Samuel saw Eliab, the Bible says that in his heart, in his mind, what did he think? Here he is, right? Right here is the Lord's anointed. This guy, he's going to be the next king. Now, look, he was the oldest of eight boys. There was a good chance that Eliab was a little bit bigger than. Than his brothers. Maybe he was stronger than his brothers. Since he was a, sh- a soldier, he probably looked powerful. He probably looked confident. So when this young man, Eliab, comes out, Samuel sees him and says, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? Samuel made his assessment on the next king based on looks. And looks alone. And the Lord immediately told Samuel, and we all know this verse. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So Samuel Heard from the Lord that Eliab was rejected, so what did he do? He called for the next young man to come forward, the next brother in the line. So Abinadab came forward, the second oldest, but what happened? He passed in front of Samuel, the Lord rejected him. Shema, the next one in line, he passed by, but the Lord rejected him. And one by one, Jesse had his Oldest seven sons passed before Samuel, and one by one the Lord rejected them all. So Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all your boys? Is this all you got? We know the answer well, there's one more. But he's out there, he's tending to the sheep, he's herding the flocks. Samuel said, Well, get him in here. In fact, we're not even going to sit down, Samuel said, until that young man comes in here. We know the end of the story. They went and found David. David passed before Samuel. And Samuel said, rise and anoint David. David will be the king. Friends, more times than we'd like to admit, I think we all make the same mistake That Samuel made that day. You see Samuel based his judgments on external appearances alone. And from time to time we do the same thing. We play favorites just based on what people are wearing or how they look. We're partial to one person over the other. And in doing so this text here in James tells us number one we're out of God's will. And secondly we're in a depth of sin. Playing favorites. You see, in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that we're going to see continuing a couple weeks later, James addresses what we're calling the sin of partiality, the sin of favoritism. And as we look at these first four verses, this text breaks down into four main points. If you have your bulletin, look on the very back. You can follow along the four main points that James teaches us concerning this issue of favoritism or partiality the first thing we're going to look at is the Lordship of Jesus. Number two, the biblical view of partiality. Number three, what I call the example. James gives us a great illustration in this text. And number four, what is the result of partiality? Let's walk through this today. The first point is, is this, the Lordship of Jesus. When we Want to properly understand the sin of partiality, we first must understand the lordship of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Friends, this is no different than the last several weeks. James is one of the most practical books in the entire Bible. He's he's speaking very simply. He's speaking plainly. This is not a long discourse on theology. Rather, James is zooming in and he's teaching believers. He's writing to believers and he's teaching us, here's how you live the Christian life. And we need to pay attention to a word that James uses, not once but twice in verse 1. And that's the word, lord he teaches us as we understand the sin of favoritism or partiality one of the first things we need to know is that jesus is the lord of our lives you know when we talk about jesus often we talk about him as savior and what a beautiful picture that is that jesus loved you and he loved me so much That Jesus left heaven and he came to earth to live a perfect life, to do something that you and I can't do, to be perfect. And that he died on the cross for your sins and my sins to be our Savior. He saves us from our sins. He saves us from an eternity of hell in his life work. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we can know him as Savior, have our sins forgiven. But is that all Jesus is? Is he just Savior? This text today teaches us that he's also what? Lord. He's Lord. Christmas is coming. It's not far away. We're already into October. In a couple months, we're going to be in the middle of Advent. One of my favorite passages comes from Luke chapter 2. It's a, it's a passage you've read before, and we'll read it again this December. But when the angel introduces Jesus in Luke chapter 2, the angel says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Does it stop there? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Yes, he's a Savior, but he's also Lord. Lord. And you can't have him one way without having him the other way. There's a false doctrine going around that says, Come to Jesus, be saved from your sins. But you know what? You don't have to have him as Lord. That's something separate, that's something different. That's not what the Bible says, friends. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is Savior and Lord. Well, what does that mean? What does Lord mean? We know what Savior means. What does Lord mean? It means that He's the Master of our lives he's the ruler of our being he's the king who should sit on the throne of our heart our mind and our wills and we are to bow and to obey him because he is lord jesus told his disciples if you love me you will Keep my commandments. You will understand that I'm Lord of your life. Friends, that teaches us that we should see things as Jesus tells us to see them. We should live our lives in a manner that obeys Him. We bow to His Lordship. And in this specific case today, James is talking about the sin of partiality. And James says, as we live under the Lordship of Christ, we should not play favorites. We should not fall into the sin of partiality. His Lordship says we shouldn't be partial. Why? Why? Because the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And friends, now that we've talked about the lordship of christ let's look at this second point the biblical view of partiality and favoritism look back at verse one the bible says my brothers show no partiality that's the command that's the biblical view show no partiality you know when we do a study of the old testament the, the jesus even teaches us that the old testament is divided into three parts the law of the prophets and the writings And we we can look at all three parts of the Old Testament and find this teaching that is consistent with what James is saying. It's consistent with what Jesus said in the gospel. Let's look at a few verses on this issue of partiality. This is Deuteronomy, the law. It says, The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. And here it is. Who is not partial and takes no bribe. Look at Chronicles, the writings. In Chronicles Jehoshaphat was appointing judges and he said to the judges consider what you do for you judge not for man but for the Lord. He is with you in giving judgment. Now then let us fear the Lord be upon may the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do and here it is for there is no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality. Or taking bribes. The Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 23. These also are sayings of the wise, partiality in judging is not good. In the New Testament, from the book of Acts, Peter learned that God's grace was reaching the Gentiles. He was at Cornelius' house. And in chapter 10, Peter, it says, he opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. In the gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 24, the Bible says, do not judge by appearances but judge with right judgment. Even in Luke 20, 21, even the scribes and the chief priests admitted to Jesus. They said, teacher, we know that you speak and, and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Friends, what we learn is that In the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the writings, even in the New Testament, the words of Jesus, the words of his apostles, and the words of his half-brother here in James chapter 2, they teach us to show no partiality. Why? Why? For the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord looks, or man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on heart you see the shift here the way god sees things versus the way man sees things and to make this point even further james texas takes us to what is my third point today the example the illustration we talked about it last week james is full of examples and illustrations it it could be the waves of the sea the flowers the double-minded man last week it was what looking in a mirror. Today, there's another example. It's in the text. Look at it with me. Verses 2 and 3. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, oh, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. What an example. What an example. You have two people in this illustration. A rich man, a guy who's got it all together. He's well-dressed, has rings on his fingers. He comes into the assembly. And you've got another man, a poor man. He comes into the same assembly. He doesn't have very nice-looking clothes. Maybe he smells bad. Maybe he needs to brush his teeth. But he comes in. To the same place and these two men are amongst the people of God and the emphasis here on people's reaction to these two men is based on what external clothing this guy seems to have it all together this guy has shabby clothes and you can see in the illustration the rich man gets special attention hey I've got a great seat for you You come sit up front where you can hear, where you can see. Let me dust this off. You sit right here in this good place. But this guy, this poor man in shabby clothes, what's the reaction? You know what? You need to go stand over there in the corner. Or you need to go sit at my feet. And by the way, when you do the word study behind this phrase, sit at my feet... In the context, there were seats and there were um, things. There were footstools that where you put your feet up on the footstool. And if you look at the context, it's saying, "Don't sit in the seat. Don't even sit on the footstool. Sit on the ground. Don't even sit on the footstool. Sit on the ground because that's where people like you belong. Belong on the ground." Friends, this incident of favoritism is completely based on what? Appearances. This man seems to have a great appearance. This man doesn't have it together. And James asked the question when you do this, when you play favorites, when you show partiality, have you not made distinctions amongst yourselves? And the answer is yes. Absolutely, you've made distinctions. Amongst yourselves, So that leads James to its fourth and final point. Because he shows us the result of partiality in verse 4. Look at it. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The result of partiality leads to becoming a judge with evil thoughts. You know, the person in this example who's making this mistake of partiality, who's falling into favoritism, we could we could stand back and say, you know, from this text, he's made several mistakes. We could say, first of all, he didn't remember the lordship of Jesus. You know, Jesus taught us humility, he taught us to look to the interest of others He taught us as we love God to love our neighbor as ourselves. That the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who serves. We could say that this person forgot about all those scriptures in the Old Testament that we just learned about, right? That talked about partiality. He forgot about Deuteronomy. He forgot about the writings and the Proverbs that spoke to God not being impartial. We could say maybe this person made a huge mistake, the mistake we learned last week. Maybe he did know those Scriptures. Maybe he was a hearer of the Word, but not a doer of the Word. Maybe, like I know for many of us, we know what the Word of God says. We know what's right and what's wrong. But, hey, this rich guy comes in, this, this shabby guy comes in, we immediately forget what we learn, and we get so caught up into, oh, let's find a good place for this person, but we don't bother with this person. We're hearers of the word, but we're not doers of the word. It's like the one who glances at the mirror and l- walks away, forgetting what he looks like. You know, forgetting how to, 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 to conduct himself, opposed to one who stares at the word. Maybe this person didn't remember to see things as the Lord sees. Maybe he's just seeing as man sees. He's looking on the outward appearance, not looking at the heart. Friends, if there's focus on the external only and partiality because of that, the Bible says we've become a judge with evil thoughts. And friends, this is a sin against Almighty God. We're called to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And those are examples of loving our neighbor as ourselves. But this, showing partiality and favoritism, is the exact opposite. And it requires repentance before a holy God. Friends, partiality, it's not consistent with the truth of Scripture. It's not consistent with the judgment of God. It's not consistent with the commands of Jesus. And it causes us to take a step back and ask ourselves, how are we treating other people? How are we treating other people? And here's where it comes home to all of us, and I include myself when I ask these questions. I want you to know that. This is the Bible preaching to us, not me preaching to you. This is the Bible preaching to us. Have we ever made the same mistake Samuel made? Judging by appearances only. If so, how do we avoid this? How do we live under the authority of God in this context? Friends, this, t- this text teaches us how to do that. The first thing we need to do, first of all, is remember the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he's our Lord. He should sit on the throne of our hearts. And the way we treat other people needs to be the way he wants us to treat other people. Yes, he died for our sin, but he also rules and reigns in our lives. And Jesus has taught us, as he taught Samuel that day, that the Lord doesn't see things as a man sees them. Man sees the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That means that we have to maybe retrain our brains to think the way Scripture teaches us to think. God is working on us through his word. Don't get caught up in the world because, friends, this world is going to be caught up in appearances. And appearances only. And there are so many traps to fall into. But secondly, we need to not only remember what the Bible says about partiality, but we need to be doers of what it says. We can't be like the one who glances in the mirror and walks away. We need to stare into the mirror of God's word and do what it says. And we also need to apply the example Listen, this example about the rich man and the poor man coming in, that's, that's 2,000 years old, that example. But do you see it every day today? Absolutely you do. You see people being treated differently based on appearances only. Let me bring it home to you. If you're a student in school, elementary school, Middle school, high school, college. Have you ever made fun of someone because of the way they look? Or what they're wearing? Or the way they smell? Or what they have to eat? Maybe you don't sit with them at lunch because of the way they look. Or the way they smell. Maybe when a new student comes to your school, you're more inviting to someone who dresses like you than someone who doesn't have nice clothes. It's something to think about. How do we treat people based on appearances? Adults. In the workplace. Do you treat people differently just because of the way they look? I read about a study... This was done in the New York Business District, but they had the same guy stand on the same street corner two consecutive days. One day he wore a black jacket, and the other day he wore a nice beige jacket. And the same guy stood on the same street corner two days, and they gave him the same line. I've lost my wallet. uh, Can I borrow some money for a taxi? And it's interesting because it was during a time period where beige was the in color. That was the color you're supposed to wear if you wanted to be trendy. And on two consecutive days, he did this exact same thing. And the study showed twice as many people let him borrow the funds when he had the beige jacket on compared to the wearing the black jacket that day. Based on appearances and appearances only. Friends, this is where we need to step back. We are called to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. To not be partial because we become judges with evil thoughts. And as we think about this, friends, let's consider how did Jesus Christ treat the poor? How did he treat the sinner? How did he treat you and me? Jesus, when he came into this world, he said, I didn't come into this world to call people who have it all together who are dressed perfectly and act rightly. Jesus says, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinner to repentance. In fact, Jesus has always, always called and used the weak in the world. Listen to this. This is out of 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that human beings, or excuse me, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Friends, every single one of us are in need of grace. Every single one of us are in need of mercy. Every single one of us, even though we might dress up and be shiny on the outside, we have a heart that needs the grace and the love of God on the inside. Think about it this way. Even Christ, who is fully God stepped out of glory and came all the way down to this earth. And the Bible says, became poor for our sake. This is 2 Corinthians 8:9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Think about it. What person has God put in your life today, that's over here on this side. That's wearing the shabby clothes that might not smell good. Might not sound good. Might not look like it's all together. Do you find yourself coming to these people only? If so, put your eyes over here. Christ loves them. I was talking to Deirdre this weekend. I got to um, got to hang out with uh, my father-in-law, Steve Stout. I know many of you don't know Steve. Steve. Um, Steve's a PCA pastor up in the Mooresville-Davidson area. He's got his Ph.D., he's a musician, he's one of the most talented men you'd, you'd ever meet in your life. But when you meet Steve, you would never know it. You would never know he has a Ph.D. and teaches at several seminaries. You would never know that he builds and plays his own instruments. He is the most humble man And I told Deirdre this just the other day what stands out about your dad is that he looks out for the little guy. These people are easy to see, but he intentionally looks for the person in shabby clothes to love on him. Jesus did the same thing. Sometimes we are so caught up into partiality, we only focus here instead of here. Jesus is saying, open your eyes bigger, open your eyes broader. Have no partiality among you. Why? Because the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Pray with me please. Lord, we're so thankful for your the grace that you've given us. We recognize that indeed, Lord Jesus, you were so very rich, yet you became poor for our sake. God, forgive us when we um, only see the outside, but never see as you have taught us to see. Forgive us, Lord, for sins of partiality. And equip us by your grace to understand that you're the Lord you're the Lord you've clearly told us in your word about this issue you've given us an example of what the world does and you've taught us that Lord in doing these things we become judges with with evil desires Lord enable us Father by your grace to love our neighbor as ourselves to not make the same mistake Samuel made but to see things that you've taught us to see them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.